You are now entering the minds of Undying MTG and King of Jank. This is Hour of Jankestation. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Hour of Janka Station, and thank God today we are bestowed with the presence of none other than my good pal, Mr. Josh King of Jank. Put your hands together and show this man your praise. I just, I picture someone starting to clap while they're driving down the fucking highway listening to us on their radio. Veer off the road and cause a car pile up down there. Exactly. I mean, that's how I feel. Because to be honest, I mean, I don't mind talking to the void because I do it, obviously. We both do. We just talk to the mic. It's just, you know, when I when I think about doing the podcast, it's just, it's nice to have the partner in crime on set. You know what I mean? Yep. Or yep, on yep. recording, because obviously not on set, because we, you know, live in two different, different parts of the world. But on the same recording nonetheless. So today, topic-wise, we are going to be going over uh, cards to look out for. Uh, when rotation happens for standard and these cards not necessarily saying that they're going to pop in price or anything like that but cards just to keep an eye on because as we know with rotation cards are going to tank because people do the fire sales and they freak out they're just like "Ah!" and they just freaking go to their lgs and they're like you know fire sailing everything to try to trade out of them to trade into other stuff or whatever Throw their standard deck at the clerk. Yeah, they just—they're just like, "Hi, how's it going?" They just go, ah! <laughs> just, fucking, just fucking chuck it at him. <laughs> clean chop to the jaw with the sixty-card do- deck. Like, what the fuck was that? It's like I don't want it. <laughs> like, uh, I was about to, you know, I was about to just say chuck it at him like they don't want the corona. Is that too much? No, it's. Just... <laughs> If you know what, if people could throw coronavirus, <laughs> people would be fucking throwing it because it's pandemonium out there. Oh yes, it is. It most definitely Fist, is. Fisticuffs over oh. toilet paper. So you know, if someone had the disease and they could just ball it up and throw it at someone else, it'd be a fucking snowball fight out there of coronavirus. Oh yeah, I mean, I wasn't planning on even bringing that up, but it just kind of felt like you know, talking about chucking your deck like it was some sort of a disease. It just kind of. <laughs> came up like well you know we were kind of talking about it off here so there you have it mm-hmm. <laughs> so um yeah I, I i'm not gonna go over the the full list today this is just 10 as of right now i'm sure there might be some more that i'll think about but i have 36 as of right now that i'm thinking are going to be potential cards that are playable uh, rather be pioneer potentially modern or commander I am not very versed in legacy or vintage, so that is not my cup of tea, and I'm not going to try to act like it is, but maybe there are cards that are coming out of standard that might be able to fit some sort of a build in those formats. But for those listening, I'm sure that uh, if you are playing legacy or vintage, you probably have an awareness of certain cards that you might be able to use for a budget or budget-er type option, if that's even a thing with those formats, because Lord knows I just look at them as a huge dollar sign that I just can't reach. <laughs> and and these are, these are uh, this isn't specking. This no. This isn't saying no, no, no. when these cards de- 
decrease because of standard rotation, you should buy them all up and try to sell them. That's not what we're saying. No. We're saying no. that these are cards that are expensive because they're in standard, and they're going to go down in price potentially because they're leaving standard, and if you want these cards, well, this is your time to buy them. Exactly. You got, if I had to put it on a timeline, you got about a month window to get whatever card you're trying to look for that's that's you know tanking in price because they usually start to stabilize about you know second or third month after rotation you'll start seeing them go back up but um yeah i will say this just for anybody who's a new listener the way if you, i just call it specking i guess for like because i i it, to a degree i guess it is because i'm just you know when i talk about certain cards it's i'm trying to say like hey this card's at a solid rate and try to get it just before it goes up. But I, like like Josh said, I'm not going to ever tell somebody, hey, get these cards, it's about to go up, and then you can freaking make a huge profit. That's not how I spec. It's maximizing your money, maximizing your potential trades and trade binders, so that way you can get the cards that you otherwise don't have the means to acquire. And that is it. It's not me trying to be like, oh, buy 50 of these and then freaking go and sell them to the first buy list you come across. It's that That's not it. No. You're, you're padding your binder to further yourself and to in pad your wallet in cards you want. Yeah. So you could get money. You yeah. could get cards. We're not, we're not like the MTG Finance Reddit. We're not telling you to go buy all the fucking to fairies after standard and then sell them at a markup because right. that's kind of scummy yeah we're just telling you if you want a teferi i don't know if teferi's on your list but no if you teferi want, is not on my list because he's probably seen play everywhere else and won't go down in price yeah but if you want to get your teferi and it go down slightly after standard rotation get your teferi then that's all yeah. we're saying yeah so okay. I'll just say before we touch on the cards, my this is me personally because everybody has an angle on how they look at things. Josh, you can elaborate on this if you'd like to. But when it comes to what am I looking at when rotation comes to a head, the first thing that I'm looking at, excuse me, number one, before I even start thinking of individual cards, is uh, CMC. I'll start there. I'll be like, okay, what's... What's the CMC that we're trying to look at? Usually between one and three, right? Mm -hmm. Because for those eternal formats, as we know, nine times out of ten, everything's about what? Speed. So between the one and three range is where I will start to look. Not saying that there's not going to be value in anything else, but to just give you a good starting point when you're just looking at speed, one to three, and then look at... I look at everything, right? You know, every type of card, not just creatures, not just non-creature spells, but everything, and yeah. see if it has a niche anywhere or potential. So, um, and then the other thing after that, the first thing I actually do look at is non-creature spells, believe it or not, because for those that don't know this about me, I'm a huge creature fan. I love using creatures to to win games. But turn I, stuff sideways. Exactly. You got you got to turn stuff sideways, my friends. Outside of just the lands, turn them creatures sideways. But the non-creature spells is where I always tend to look first because I'm like, you know, as much as I do love my creatures, I got to have some responses. You have to. So I look at non-creature spells starting with instant speed cards to see if they can do whatever, be like, all right, can I achieve stuff with certain instances, then sorceries, and then so on and so forth. 
So that is like in a nutshell without elaborating too much longer on it. That's kind of how I start with where I'm looking at stuff and then go from there. Does that sound something eerily similar to yourself or do you have a different approach on how you look at stuff going into rotation? I, I don't fucking know. I don't look at it. Don't I don't know why I'm all? here. I don't know why I'm here. Why am I here? <laughs> why are we talking about this? Well, I don't do this well, shit. Well, 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 as we know, you're a commander player, correct? Yeah. That, that is fair to say. So as we all know, rotation is also the buy time for what type of players? Commander players. I, I don't know, is it? It is. I, I don't know. Eric, why am I here? I don't know. I feel like, am I I talking to the void today? You bring me back to this (laughs) podcast and you're asking me the questions I know nothing about. I don't know. No, I'm I'm, I'm fucking with you. Why do you got to do this to me? Why? Because You're toying with my emotions. You're you're saying, (laughs) oh, I need a co-host and I'm just here to make your life harder. I know, I know. uh, This is value that I can't attain on my own. um, I I can honestly say that I've, I've never jumped on buying uh cards after rotation as, as strange as that sounds and not even trading it. like bulk because i mean obviously I, I that's the other thing i just want to touch real quick you don't have to always use cash always use your cards first if you can so if you have bulk trade out of your bulk and get whatever singles you're looking for and yeah then, okay i'm sorry for interrupting carry on well I, i'm well first of all i'm terrible at trading in my cards god awful at it um, if a card is under $20, I normally hold on to it just in case I want to play it at some point. I feel like that's the commander way. Is that no, yeah. You, you I get it. Card, it it's, in, in my view, it's like if a card is $15, I'd rather hold on to it even if it goes down in value. Because if I sell it for 15 bucks, I don't want to have to go pay 15 bucks to get it back if I want to play it later. <clears throat> I agree uh, but no, I've uh, normally after standard rotation, I'll look at what's going down, uh, and then I'll pick up cards that have stayed down. If a card will go down and then come back up for whatever reason, I'll be honest, I normally miss it. Um, yeah. I say I have terrible timing. Like I don't have a problem parting with my cards, but I swear I have the absolute worst time when I actually do pull the trigger. Like for instance, <clears throat> just recently. So back on our first episode, I talked about how I did that buy list. Yes. So I had been sitting on some foil primordial hydras from like, oh my God, dude, I've probably had them for years just sitting there. That's an old card. Because I I just love primordial hydra and I was like, well, I'll just hold the foils in case I decide to use it for commander and I have a foil copy. Mm -hmm. So I buy listed them because I had one from M13, one from M12. I just happened to like look the other day. I think it was like Wednesday or Thursday. The foil copy is somewhere around thirty some bucks now, and I buy listed it for twelve. But granted, I mean, I still made out on. It. I paid or I uh, sold it for more than what I paid, so I wasn't like mad in that regard. But when you see where it's at now, I'm like, well, gosh dang it! If I just would have waited, <laughs> like it's not like it was you know, I was doing anything with it before. I had it for years, but go figure. After I get rid of it, a couple months later, it spikes. Wait, what the hell's going on? That's yeah, I'm looking at it right now. That's so weird. Uh, February 26th, it was twelve dollars. Yeah, and now it's thirty-four. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> isn't that crazy? That's 
Oh. <laughs> oh, I mean, but that's something you can't predict. No, there was no, exactly. There was no trend. It's been $12 for like the past, yeah. well, it's been like $12 for the past three or four years. That's why I was just like, all right. I was like, well, this is one I can part with because like, you know, I was just trying to get some extra, extra change so that way I could get, take care of some things around the homestead. And then when I seen that, I'm like, man, I have got the shittiest timing, I swear. <laughs> well, the, uh, the, funny enough, the 2013 one, I'm sure it will follow, but it's actually $11. Yeah. So, I mean. And I did buy, like I said, I, uh, both of them I sold for 12 bucks, both the M13 and M12 one. <sighs> but nonetheless, I'll jump off, you know, get out of the rabbit hole while I have a chance here, and we'll start talking about the cards. But before that, we have to, of course, talk about the Jank Spank Bank, baby. That is right. We got to go with that Jank Spank Bank. And for those that don't know what the hell I'm talking about, it is the one card that we are suggesting, one from each of us, we are suggesting, hey, there it is. <laughs> I couldn't I kind of think of a sound effect to do, so I just started wiggling my cheek around. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. So uh, you need to have an intro where it's just you and your in your thematic voice saying yeah. "jank spank bank" with this in the background. <laughs> and that that noise is actually just so we're clarified. That's someone just flicking and closing their wallet quite quickly. Yes, that's, exactly. that's all it is. Exactly. It's just a wallet flick. <laughs> so well, it's a very f fresh wallet, leather, maybe a bit sweaty, <laughs> and it's just opening and closing, getting the credit cards out. You know, it just <laughs> lots of purchases for the Jank's Bank Bank cards. Exactly, and this one that I have for you guys today is a super cheap card. And again, these ones aren't ones that we're we're necessarily saying they're being quote unquote specced but just budget cards nonetheless that we feel that you could use in certain budget brews or just a budget card to have on hand that has some upside to it. And the one that I have today is Obsessive Skinner from, I believe, yeah, Shadows Over Innistrad. I was going to say it, and I had to scroll up just to make sure that I was right and didn't say uh, Eldrick Moon because I almost did. <laughs> so this one is coming in at the low of $0.04, cents, averaging $0.24, cents, and then the foil is currently at $0.40. Cents. It is a two-drop, one green, and one, a 1-1 one, one human rogue, and then when Obsessive Skinner enters the battlefield, you're going to be putting a 1-1 counter on target creature, and then it also has the delirium effect of at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, if there are four or more card types among cards in your graveyard, you're going to be putting a 1-1 counter on target creature. I just felt the value it holds is worth considering for any human build in Pioneer currently that's using green. I think it's a solid buffer type card. And because you're getting that 1-1 counter right out of the gate when it enters the battlefield. And if you're playing anything, um, I know Hardened Scales didn't blow up as of yet the way people were expecting it to in Pioneer. But if you are using a deck nonetheless that is about putting 1-1 counters on your creatures and stuff, I felt this was a great budget option to have out there and to get into your binder. And then again, with that delirium effect, you could potentially be acquiring two 1-1 one, one counters on one play, you know, being the turn it comes out, and then at your 
opponent's upkeep. Mm-hmm. So what would be your thoughts on this one, Mr. I, Josh? Uh, when this card was re- revealed way back when, I, uh, I actually really liked this card, but I never ended up playing it. It's kind of doesn't really it does stuff in commander don't get me wrong because there are three other opponents so you get three more counters but it's not it's not in that impactful um but i like it as a cheap pickup if you're playing like you said humans or uh golgari yeah or um fuck even like maybe a simic hexproof type deck yeah, this could be this could be really cool. It doesn't look like that threatening when it no. comes out. Uh, I I can't imagine someone wasting removal on it, but it could, you know, keep buffing up your little hexproof dude, right? Yeah, and your um, opponent doesn't want that. Yep, uh, I guess the downside is the 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 delirium cost, which is actually kind of hard to get if you're not doing a self-mill type. Well, that was what I was going to touch on real quick, which I did not say was my biggest idea with this for pioneer. That is, was using this with like a grim flare style build as a complimentary card to that, because you know, you're Mm going to try to self mill questing beast and all that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought this would be a nice little, maybe two of in that type of a deck. Yeah. Maybe three, to pay if you really want to squeeze it in there. But I felt two would be a solid number to start with. Well, man, maybe maybe you need to make that deck. Maybe I maybe do. people need to see the light. Yeah, maybe they do. Maybe I have yeah, to talk them into it because Lord knows I'm sure the high mind will say I'm full of shit and I need to just stop while I'm ahead and I'm a moron. <laughs> Good old positivity. Yeah, I know, right? So, what do you have, Mister Josh, for so- your jank spank bank card? So I have a classic, a card that people might say, that's not cheap. And, uh, but you know what? It, it became a bit cheaper. Um, it's an artifact. Shocking. Of course. Yeah, why wouldn't it be, right? I expect nothing less. I love the gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the card that I chose is Mimic Vat. Do you know what Mimic Vat is? No, I'm, I'm actually like, I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, where... So it was printed in Skyrim and Marodin. It is a three-cost artifact, and when it comes in, uh, you do nothing, actually, but it has imprint on it. I said when it comes in because a lot of imprint cards do something when they enter the battlefield. But imprint for Mimic Vat says, whenever a non-token creature dies, you can exile that card. If you do, return each other card exiled with Mimic Vat to its owner's graveyard. So basically, you can exile one creature at a time with Mimic Vet. But then you can pay three colorless mana or mana of any color and tap it and create a token that's a copy of a card exiled with Mimic Vet. It gains haste and you exile it at the beginning of the next end step. That's actually really, really good. Like, I mean, it's really good. It's, uh, it's shockingly good. It, when it was reprinted in Commander 2019, it tanked. I think the original... Skyrim Roden one was on is like a buck fifty. Um, it's looking like the all-time high. Well, of course, I can try to scroll down a little bit more. I can see it. So the all-time high was three fifty-five on average back in August 9th of twenty eighteen. Then yeah. the all-time low as of <clears throat> September twenty fourth, twenty twelve, was at a dollar fifteen. Yeah, but uh, if you if you Look at the commander ones; they're cheaper. They have gone up a bit lately, but they're under a dollar. Um, yeah, 
97 cents on 97 cents yeah anyways i bring this up because i have one copy i finally got to play it earlier this week and it is a fucking versatile card and i played in a mono green deck which sounds really weird but when in commander when everyone else is playing big threats that are gonna die like for example someone played elish norn elish norn is disgusting if you don't know what it is, it's a, one of the old Phyrexians. It gives all your creature plus two, plus two. Give all opponent's creatures nag two, nag two. So it's effectively a board wipe on a 7-7 seven, seven creature. People are going to kill that. They killed it. I caught, I exiled it with my Mimic Vat. All of a sudden, my mono green deck, I get to have one of the best bomb white cards in Magic history. And you didn't even pay for it, monetarily speaking. You you pay three (laughs) for it on your turn. You get a 7-7 hasty creature that wipes your opponent's board and buffs your board. And then you just look at them and say, your turn. Yeah. (laughs) They're going to go, no, You swing with the creature and then it it goes. But you can also do it defensively. If someone would attack me, I can make a 7-7 blocker for three colorless mana. Yeah. And, and it's not just a one creature. So then when I regained board of the Elish Norn, or there were no creatures around. Someone played a Sphinx. It did, uh, it did an effect when it entered that let me look at the top five cards in my library. Something like that. Something you don't get in mono green. Right. Um, so I was like, fuck it. Have your Elish Norn back. Toss in his graveyard. And I exiled the Sphinx when it died. Well, all of a sudden, I'm scrying five in a mono green deck. And getting a five six flyer. Oh, it's just it's that, that's super ridiculous, man. It's super versatile, and that's yeah. the best part. It's opponent's creatures or your creatures. So if you play a nice creature that you want to keep around or has a good enter the battlefield effect or a good attack effect or whatever, yeah. And someone kills it because they're like, fuck you, just you get to exile your own creature yeah. with the mimic that. Well, and the and good then thing you can is make copies too- of it. You don't necessarily have to. If you're using a recursion deck, you can be like, well, I don't mind if it's in my graveyard because I can just bring it back or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And that, that's what's great, too. Like, people should always look at with cards is that one word, may, because it's still giving you options. It's not forcing you to do anything. So, you know, you might you might want to exile it, you know, just so that way, you know, if, I don't know if you, just, you really want to, so that way you can make your copies or what have you or again if you're playing grave style deck and you don't want it in exile then chuck it in your graveyard yep and on top of that it it is in a sense very limited graveyard hate um the guy that was playing the elish norn he was playing it in an absent deck green black white well guess what black and green are graveyard colors so he brought his elish norn back I was like, when it died again, I was like, fuck you. I exiled it. I never let him put it. I never put it back in his graveyard. Yeah. So you can use it to stop graveyard shenanigans as well. <clears throat> Anyways, nice little card. That I was, like I, it. I don't think I've ever been that serious in a jank spank bank. Well, hey, I mean, you're serious for good reason. That's a, that's a great card. I don't even know. I, I mean, I don't remember every card, obviously. I mean, none of us do, but that's... That one, like, when you said the name, I'm like, I don't even think I've ever heard it. And so I was like, I, I couldn't put nothing with it. So then when I was reading, I'm like, holy crap, this card is really good. I honestly yep. think I am going to get some. <laughs> I really do. I think I'm going to be getting me some copies. Well, I think it just, the fact it's a colorless artifact, mm-hmm. it can go in, I'm thinking Commander, it can go yeah. in any deck. Any deck. 
Yeah. Mono color, five color, and you basically get to play whatever your opponents play. Potentially. Anyways. That's my spanky janky banky. And that is it for the jank spank bank, everybody. Bust out your wallets. Get that spank (laughs) in your bank. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So over an hour to the standard nonsense. The first card that I got here is Knight of the Eben Legion. Or Eben Legion. I don't know how I say Eben. I don't know if that's correct or not. Lord knows. So, I, I don't know. Yeah. Eben, Eben. Yeah, it could go either way. Someone will probably Eben. correct me because, I mean, I've been corrected a bunch of times on how I pronounce stuff because I butcher it, which I know I do. So what does it do? So it's a one drop. It's a one one black, one two, Vampire Knight with the activated ability of one black and two, and the Knight of the Eben Legion gets plus three, uh, plus three and gains death touch until end of turn. And then also at the beginning of your end step, if a player lost four or more life this turn, you're going to be putting a 1-1 one, one counter on the Knight. So as of right now, it is currently averaging 447, 274 for the low, and then 845 for the foil. And it is currently going down, but that is because of more than likely the Challenger deck, which I uh, have stated in the Challenger deck videos that I did, that more than likely the cards that were reprinted, they're going to go down in price. But I still feel just without going down the rabbit hole, but just saying with the Challenger builds, regardless of where these cards fall when they go down, I still don't think it's going to be enough to make it not worth acquiring those decks. So I still feel that those are a good budget option for those trying to acquire certain cards that are in those builds. So this, where I think it's going to be of use, is more so Pioneer. Because, number one, it's already being used in Pioneer. I'll scroll down here so that way people that will be viewing this little clip on the tubes will see. So it's in just this is all just off of uh, MTG stocks, by the way. So it's currently in 53 mono black builds. On, well, I should say under just the term mono black. Then you have 11 mono black vampires, seven white and black, and then you also have two ores of one that says not specified. How it's in pauper, I think that's got to be a typo because it's clearly a rare card, so that doesn't make sense. But. Uh, it's obviously being used in standard as well, but I think that it will be a one-drop black card that will probably be a staple going forward in black builds in Pioneer. Um, I do like this as an option in Commander if you're going uh, Vampire Tribal or even Night Tribal. Uh, it's a solid one-drop. Yeah, like everybody always says with everything, dies to removal. You already know I hate that phrase. I, whoever came up with that, I wish I could go back in time and just punch him in the face. Um, but yeah, I know Diplomatic. it sounds. I know it's very aggressive sounding, but it's just it's such it's such an annoying term because, oh, God, I feel like I'm about to. I'm gonna. I already nope, said this nope. enough. Going down the rabbit hole, but I'll I'll refrain. But take your pills. Nonetheless, dying to removal is a just stupid term. So anyhow. It does have a two toughness, which is a downside, but if you got the mana available to beef this thing up to make it a four or five until end of turn, that's just awesome. Because, I mean, you're going to be hitting for four. It's got a five toughness, so 
if you're going up against red and if they haven't dealt with it yet they're now going to probably have to use two spells to get rid of it and then like everybody already knows that have used this card once you deal that four damage that uh, trigger at the bottom is going to resolve as long as all four went to the opposing player so then you're going to beef it up and I feel that it's going to go down especially once uh, I mean already from the challenger builds but it's also going to go down once rotation hits and I think this is one that should be in consideration to pick up yeah what are your thoughts I'm just looking at well I don't play Pioneer yet. I kind of have a Pioneer deck, but I've never really played it. Um, I'm just looking. I, I'm the guy in the window. You guys are having a Pioneer party. I'm oh, faced yeah. against a window looking in. <laughs> so I'm I'm looking at the metagame. Yeah. And I'm comparing the standard metagame to the Pioneer metagame. And honestly, there d- doesn't seem to be a lot of overlap which is good right? Um, for cards dropping in price. Cards rotating are standard just from my super anecdotal just skimming of this don't seem to be seeing a whole lot of play in Pioneer. Yeah. But this the Vampire is. Or the Knight of the Even Legion is. Mono yeah. Black Aggro is 5.2% of the meta, and it plays a full playset in the main board, which makes sense. It's a very aggressive card. Yeah. Um, but I was just bringing that up as an, as uh, just to preface the rest of your cards that there might... I was worried that Pioneer would stop standard um, drops in prices because the cards that were good in standard just can now be played in pioneer or they are already being played in pioneer so there wasn't going to be this mass exodus of yeah. standard cards but yeah like i was saying the overlap doesn't seem to be that big yeah so um maybe we will see the consistent thing we always see where cards drop in price and i mean if this card does drop in price then uh yeah, go play mono black. It looks fun. And yeah. yeah, if you it's, yeah, and like again, even if you're not wanting to play pioneer, or even just if you're a kitchen table person, if you're you like tribal vampire and knight, so dual tribal, you can throw it in there. And if you want a one drop, there you have it, solid one drop. So over and onward. Next we Ooh, have is put, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm gonna jump in here just so people know. Um, because I didn't know until I looked this up recently. The sets that are leaving Standard in yeah. fall of 2020, I, I don't know what set comes out to do it, but in fall of 2020, autumn, if you will, Guilds of Ravnica, Ravnica Allegiance, War of the Spark, Corset 2020 are rotating out. Yep. So those are the four that are leaving. We're saying right. goodbye to Ravnica, hopefully for quite a while, and yep. Corset 2020. Yep. Which I was glad. I'll be honest, like, I was glad that they went back to Ravnica. As much as people hated on it, I, I really liked it. I thought it would, they were great sets. They had some great cards. And I felt at the time, especially when they were brand new, I felt that Standard was really, really fun to play. I loved playing Arena. It was a great time. Yeah, I thought they did a great job. I was worried, but I thought they did a good job. I'll give them that. Yeah. 
So the next card that we have here is Assassin's Trophy. I think it has the potential to be... Um, I know I feel like I'm going to be banging Pioneer into the ground here, <laughs> but Assassin's Trophy, I feel, is a removal that could definitely be one of those removals that um, if you were to try to speculate on this card, this would be one that I think would be one of those ones that as time goes on, it's just going to just slowly just go up, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're just going to see a, just a very, very subtle upward trend, and then one day you're going to realize that it goes from being like 10 bucks to 25 just because, like, if it, you know, if I don't think there's any reprints other than, okay, it's just a pre-release card. I was going to say, I didn't think they reprinted it in anything yet, but if it doesn't no. get reprinted, it's just going to consistently just go up a little bit here and there. And then before you know it, it's just over 20 bucks. But as of right now, the current low, the all-time low is at 1083, and then the all-time high, 34.99. And currently we are sitting at 1206 for the low, 1576 for the average, and then $30.80 for the foil. And for those listening, what it is, if you do not already know, it's a two-drop, one green and one black to instant and then you destroy target permanent and opponent controls and then its controller may search their library for a basic land card put it onto the battlefield and then shuffle their library i mean again when i'm looking at stuff for the to you know play in eternal formats when you're looking at cmc it's at the two the downside with this is it's forcing you to play dual colors because it is a green source and a black source but I still feel it's worth having in your binder, and I do think that it does have the potential to get around the 10 or even maybe $8 range. I don't really see it dropping any lower than that if you were to ask my opinion on how low I think it could go, but um, I do think it could creep towards that $10 range again, and I wouldn't be mad at trading in at that price. But overall, I felt it was a good two-drop to try to use in pioneer for sure because as for those again that haven't really looked into it look at pioneer is nerfed modern so it's a little bit slower so this would be something to definitely consider when you're trying to look at speed especially at instant speed for a non-creature spell and for what it does of course the other downside is is they look for a land card it's a basic land but still you're kind of giving your opponent extra land but Outside of that, I think you're more worried about removing something at that point versus giving them a land. What's your thoughts? Um, my thoughts are, again, peering into the metagame. Assassin's Trophy isn't seeing a whole lot of play in Pioneer or Standard. Which is weird um, to me. Which is weird, but then I forgot. Pioneer has uh, the very first Assassin's Trophy in it, Abrupt Decay. It does have abrupt decay Which in it. Which is uh, a green, for those who don't know, uh, black and a green. It can't be countered. Destroy target non-land permanent with converted mana cost three or less. So there's a restriction on it. Right. But it seems that people are willing to have that restriction opposed to giving their opponents a land. But again, and the reason why is because that magical number of three... Because why? Because most players are trying to fit three and less into their deck, so they know chances are they're going to be able to use it on something good. Yeah. 
especially when decks that's when pe- when that's when decks try to capitalize they want to yep. do stuff in between turn one to three yep. if you haven't stabilized or found yourself in a good position at that point it, it's gonna be a rough go yes even in modern light which pioneer is yep um so maybe uh, just knowing that maybe assassin's trophy will dip even further yeah you're, you're correct it could a, Abrupt Decay is seven and a half dollars. No, this and, is true. And if it's being preferenced over Assassin's Trophy, then maybe it could go lower. Which Who that knows? would be fantastic with me. <laughs> if it went lower than eight, I would just watch it just keep going. And then once I felt it was at a like a five to four buck range, I'd be snagging them up. Yep. We'll see how that one goes. Yeah, right. So going into our next card here, I got is Cinder Vines, which I know at first glance you're going to be like, Cinder Vines? Like, you know, this is like a, a thing to look at. So here's the deal. Uh, before going into the price, it's a two-drop enchantment, one green and one red, and then whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, Cinder Vines deals one damage to that player, and then you can also pay one Sack it and then destroy target artifact or enchantment and then Cinder Vines deals two damage to that permanence controller. Now, again, going back to Pioneer, baby. We're going, we're going to be riding that train hard. So <laughs> Pioneer uses uh, a lot of non-creature spell decks. There's a lot of them. I refer to them for, for those that don't know and uh, aren't familiar with the meta, I refer to them and others refer to them as Lotus Field-styled builds because they're using Lotus Field and Thespian Stage to ramp into whatever their win count is going to be mm-hmm. and rather be Omniscience, uh, Possibility Storm, or uh, <clears throat> I've seen people use Baborgamos Enraged, and I'm uh, I'm trying to think of what else, but there's there's other stuff that they ramp into as well. Those are always just the top three that I I personally have seen. Um, but Borgamos wasn't really a huge one, but I have seen it a handful of times. So I'm I know people have been trying to use that. Yeah. But that all that being said, you're using a boatload of non-creature spells to get to that win con. So. Having Cinder Vines out there is going to basically tax them in life to do what they want to do. And, you know, trying to look at the, if you want to call it the, instead of the nut draw, the nut scenario, if you have more than one of these, excuse me, out on the battlefield, now you're hitting for two instead of one. And then not to mention, if you're playing green and red, you're playing aggressive, so you're going to have creatures and other stuff to kind of back up your aggressive attack. This just kind of helps ping and ding your opponent down to get them to zero just a shade quicker. And then using that bottom effect, again, talking about Possibility Storm, Omniscience, you now, you now have an option to basically kill their end game because if they don't have something to get rid of Cinder Vines, even if they do play Omniscience, you, know, you have a chance to blow it up before something happens. Even though I know you're playing stuff for free, depending on what they have, if they don't have like a maximum, uh, an unlimited hand size, or if they, you know, say they only have like a few cards in hand, but they're not able to draw into something, you can blow it up 
you know, I should say target it once it goes on the stack. And if they don't have enough to keep going, then you potentially ruin their win con. Yeah. And then uh, same thing, you know, possibility storm. If it comes out, you blow it up. Now what? You know, there you go. Uh, but that's really what I had on that. And I felt with the price, I know I didn't talk about that yet. 65 cents for the low, 145 on average, and then 358 currently for the foil and it looks like as of right now the all-time low was 134 and then all-time high was 499 and then all it has for a quote-unquote reprint would just be the pre-release card and that is all but that is what i had as far as why i kind of like this card primarily for pioneer i do like this for commander just for some extra ping and ding but it's not something that I'd be like, you know, going out of my way to throw into the 99. But if you're a budget player and you're kind of, you know, restricted on what you can acquire for whatever uh, deck you have that uses red and green, I think this would be something to consider seeing as in Commander, as Josh would know more so than myself. But a lot of artifacts, a lot of enchantments. So this helps you to get rid of one of those artifacts or enchantments that you necessarily might not want to see out on the board but I will turn it over to Josh and let you touch on your thoughts on this here cinder vines. Well, I mean, I don't know. I couldn't find it while you were speaking, seeing play in standard or pioneer, yeah. um, a bit of sideboard play in fringe modern. Um, but yeah, on the, in terms of commander, this is a fine card. I'd run it in a red green deck. You can't go wrong with a little pinging yeah. here and there ping down your opponents everyone plays non-creature spells yep there's gonna be someone whose deck is esper or grixis spells right yeah Kess is a commander um Shroom is a commander uh that plays artifacts like there can be tons of stuff that are non-creature spells that this can do damage on especially if they're storming off or doing some stupid combo or something right yeah so this is perfectly fine um, at 145, I mean, pick it up now. Yeah. But I, 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 if you want to wait, I mean, if you want to see if it goes to 50 cents, I suppose. But yeah, at the current price line, I mean, you could get them now. But I'm saying yeah. it's still something. It has the potential to go even lower. You never know. Oh, 100. percent Would I pick it up for a buck 45 right now? Probably not. Um, but yeah, after rotation, it might plummet. Who knows? It's an odd card. Maybe the price it's at now is because of Commander play. I personally haven't seen anyone play it, yeah. but I have a few. I just don't have a red-green deck to put it in, or I probably would. Um, and like Eric was saying, that sacrifice effect at the bottom there, once this is on the field, there there are cards that can counter effects like Stifle and Void Slime, but... There isn't a lot of them, so this is a nice way to get rid of a troublesome artifact or enchantment without having to worry about a counter spell or some other bullshit like that. Yeah. Yep, good card. Oh, yeah, very, very good budget card. Next we have is Growth Spiral coming in at $0.10 cents for the low and then Ooh, $0.30 cents on average and then... 273 for the foil and then it looks like for the record low is just 25 cents and then 99 cents for the high and that's for the non-foil by the way and it is a common for those that are unfamiliar with this card it is a two drop one blue one green instant and then you can draw a card i shouldn't say you can but you do draw a card and then you may 
put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. I have no idea why this thing is a common rarity, and it is also instant speed if I did not say that already. Fantastic card. I know it's being used in Pioneer. I have seen it used a boatload of times. Currently, it's being used in Standard as well. I mean, uh, I mean, I know it's a common card, so you're like, okay, like why is he talking about it? Because it's like it's only ten cents. This has the potential if it does not get reprinted, because like right now it's just got an F and M promo, right? Mm-hmm. So that being said. If it does not get reprinted, it could be one of those commons like, you know, say Ponder or something like that. It'll Cultivate be, you know, Kadama's Reach. Yeah, yeah. like it's going to be over a buck. Easy. I could see this easily being well over a buck for a common card. I could see us hitting closer to two bucks, you know, years from now if it doesn't, if again, if it does not get reprinted. And uh, I will stress this again. I'm not saying. Go buy a hundred freaking copies. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying if you're looking for something that's rotating out, this one, not necessarily speaking, is going to drop in price because it's already cheap. But just if you're looking at cards that you want to have or hold on to after rotation, this is one that I feel that you should hold on to because it's being used all across the board for uh, card advantage and then also for land ramp. But that's really all I had. But it's just a fantastic card. I have nothing to add to that. It's a great card. It's that common. It's cheap. Get them now. I don't think rotation will affect them much. No. Um, but like Eric said, there there are tons of cards that uh, are commons that are expensive now because, well, because they're good cards at common. Ponder, yeah. Preordain, Cultivate, Kadama's Reach. They're all cards at Sea Play and Commander. Right. Uh well, I don't think Ponder and Preordain are even legal and modern no, anymore. No, I think Ponder got yeah, Ponder got the Banhammer a while ago. But uh, Cultivate, Kadama's Reach, very easy ramp cards. Yeah. Uh, that are two bucks, buck fifty at common because people like to draw cards, people like to play lands, and you know what? Growth Spiral does both. And if you want me to quote unquote spec on anything from this card. I won't even tell you to get the foil, get the F&M promo, because it's going to have less copies. They're very nice. I was tempted to buy yeah, one, and but they, I, and they I look just sweet too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that is what I had on Growth Spiral. Next one we have, and I've talked about this before on the channel, is Citywide Bust. And again, this one I feel should, at the very least, be in Mono White Weenies. I'm just going to check real quick to see if it is in any Mono White Weenies decks, and it's not because this definitely complements what you're trying to do with Mono White Weenies. So, and that's in regards to Pioneer, okay? Just so we get that clarified. So people are like, well, what the hell is he talking about? Mono White Weenies in Pioneer. So, $0.07 cents for the low, $0.34 cents on average, and then $0.81 cents for the foils. It's a three-drop sorcery, two white, and one. You destroy all creatures with toughness four or greater. And what is the biggest downside if you are running a weenie-style build? Nothing. Big clunkers. There is no downside if you are running a bunch of small creatures. (laughs) Well, to you, but that's your biggest threat, is if you have these big monstrosities that you don't know how to take care of them. 
Oh, I, I I thought you were asking what the downside of the card was. No, 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 no The no. downside of a white weenie deck is yes, yes being stonewalled by yes. a big fat creature. Yeah, and you're just sitting there going, "Crap, what do I do?" Because you know, yeah, you could swing with a bunch of creatures, but you know they're going to get nickeled and dimed out. So this card single-handedly takes care of all that. You you're getting rid of anything that would be a potential threat to your white weenies because they're uh, for the most part. They're, I mean, they're going to be around the two toughness, maybe three, depending on what card you're playing. And then, like, if you're using, like, Thalia's Lieutenant and stuff, that's going to get beefed up. That'll be your primarily your only creature that's really going to see a significant hit if it's at four or more. But being a smart player, being the smart players, I should say, that you all are, you would pop this before you get Thalia's Lieutenant to that level. So you would use this to wipe the board of any threat that you don't you know, want to have out there and then carry on business as usual and tap them creatures, turn them sideways, beat your opponent's face in and then get the old win. I mean, that's what you want. And I mean, I know I understand that, uh, excuse me, that not every deck has big clunkers. So if you're playing like white weenies or any sort of weenie style deck like Selesnia or Orzov or even Boros for that matter, and uh, and you're and you're trying to look for something that would be something to complement your build, then this would be where to go. At least, at the very least, in my opinion, shuck two in the sideboard. If you want to make, I, I would say main board one maybe, and then sideboard two. That's just my personal thoughts on that. But at the current price line, I mean, it's ridiculously cheap, and having a three CMC card that's a potential wipe is just nuts to me. Yep. I, and I'll I'll just end it with that, and you know, let you, t- you know, talk about your own thoughts if you want to elaborate on any of that. Well, I only have one one more thing to add. Thirty four cents. Pick it up now if you want it. Yeah, that's a good price. Um, but against decks that do have big clunkers, there's smaller creatures that they r- run that won't be destroyed by citywide bust. Right. Are probably creatures they don't want to block with. Correct. So even if this doesn't wipe their board clean and they have land of war elves or whatever, mm-hmm. they don't want to trade with your shitty little soldier. No, they, they need, don't. They, they need, need that those mana. elves yes, for they other do. things. So it is effectively a board wipe, even if you don't wipe the board. And if they do block with their utility creatures, well, you're putting them that much farther behind. Exactly. So again, I just wanted to stress, because I know I started off saying that these are cards that can go down in price at rotation, but I should have said as well that obviously these are just cards in general that I feel that are going to be rotating out that you should acquire. Rather it be now, like this card, given the current price line, or just in general post-rotation. So, over and onwards, we got Karn, the Great Creator, coming in at $3.99 for the low 549 on average and then 1580 for the foil it is a four drop planeswalker four colorless of course and it comes in with a base power of five and then activated abilities of artifacts your opponent's control can't be activated has a plus one of until your next turn up to one target non-creature artifact becomes an artifact creature with power and toughness each equal to its converted mana cost and then it also has the neg two of you may choose an artifact card you own from outside the game or in exile and then reveal that card and put it into your hand 
I just felt for the current price tag, even like right now, I think it's a, it's a very, very good card. But I have a feeling that post-rotation, it has the chance to go down just a shade lower. Maybe, maybe, I know this would be a stretch, but I'm thinking maybe it would get between the 2 and 150 range just because I know that it, it's not really seeing a whole hell of a lot of play, um, at least that I have seen personally yet, outside in Pioneer. But I think it definitely has place uh has room to grow so to speak i feel in the format and i liked the uh, uh the initial ability with this for commander i don't know how vi uh, valuable it is i thought it would be solid but again i play commander but not quite as much as yourself so you would know more so than me but i still felt that this is a planeswalker that should not even be at the current price tag it is i mean i should say it should be low. All cards should be cheap. But if you're trying to look at it for how the market works, it's just it, the price tag to me does not make sense for the upside this card holds. No. So the reason it's lower than we all expected, I expected this to be one of the best cards from War of the Spark. Yeah. Is that it saw play almost immediately in modern with Mycosynth Lattice because Karn and Mycosynth Lattice locks your opponents out of the game. They can't do anything except for attack with creatures they already have. They can't even tap their lands because Mycosynth Lattice turns all permanents into artifacts and your opponents can't activate artifacts when Karn's out. But then Mycosynth Lattice got banned in modern and people were working around this combo anyways. Uh, so it's kind of gone down. It doesn't really have a home currently. It doesn't have a point in modern anymore. Uh, it's apparently seen play in Legacy and Vintage, but I don't know much about that, so I don't want to comment, but obviously not enough to drive up price of this card. And uh, in EDH, I mean, it's a great card. Everyone plays Mana Rocks. Yeah. But, and I mean, sure enough, this is... A good way to stop that you play this all of a sudden buddy across the table that has a soul ring and a signet is down three mana but uh the the issue with this in commander is they effectively made his last ability useless when this was printed they changed the ruling you can't grab artifacts from outside the game now unless they were in the game and then got exiled that so makes you can't no sense. you can't go to your collection and there are no sideboards in Commander, right? So that's your only thing. That's the only. That's the outside of the game rule now is just sideboard only. Uh, sideboard only, yeah. That's uh -huh. that's crappy. Then why even well, put I that mean, in there? You can talk. You can talk to your. Um, sorry, Wizards didn't change the rule. Wizards doesn't care. The Commander okay. rules changed. I so see. you can no longer grab cards from your collection. Unless, gotcha. your, unless your playgroup has sideboards or it's a card that was in the game and got exiled, then you can get it back with Karn, which there are some combos that people do I with gotcha. that. But, I mean, the truth is it's Commander. You can talk to your playgroup. If your playgroup is fine with you grabbing a card from another deck, then that's how you play, right? That's right. But when this was printed, they did change the ruling because... You could play Karn in any deck. And if you had a Mycosynth Lattice, you didn't even have to put it in your deck. You could just nag to it, grab and block out the whole table. Oh, man. I had no idea about that. 
So maybe that's what, after they did that, maybe that's why it kind of started going down because i seen that it was peaking and then it kind of started slowly going down yep trickling down i not to promote myself but i have a whole video on current and mycosynthlattice on my channel Can't that he drink. does that he does and go check it out combo breakdown number one video on my channel every video is number one on your channel oh, what are you talking about? isn't that sweet of you? <laughs> it is so hold
That is it. All right. Well, for those that are trying to wonder where I might be, if for whatever strange reason you happen to find this podcast without even knowing who either one of us are, you can find me at the YouTube channel, Undying MTG, <clears throat> MTG also at Twitter, at Undying MTG. Uh, I'm about as boring as Mr. Josh anymore on Twitter. It's kind of like just here's a video, but I'm not really engaging on there like I used to. Uh, but you call can use my, it to DM me if you want. I mean, that's fine. Call on my Twitter boring? Yes. Call on my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter ain't boring. <laughs> it's boring like me. Come on. Watch your mouth. Okay. okay. Watch your mouth. I won't say it again. <laughs> so... You can People also, can go and follow us to see how exciting our Twitter. Yeah, are. exactly. If don't, you if you don't, don't tell believe, them, oh, they have to go see how true. boring we are for real. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I'm giving out spoilers. Gosh dang it. Uh, yeah, go find find out for yourselves. But again, you can use it though to contact me if you want, like you know, for deck uh, either deck ideas or if you want there's something in general you want to be talked about, rather be on the podcast or on the channel. I'll make a video. I mean, I'm open to whatever because, you know, sometimes you, you get like uh, what you would refer to as writer's block. Sometimes it's kind of like, what do I make a video about? You know what I mean? So if someone throws something out, you know, I'd be more than happy to try to make a video about something. Um, I do have links that I post up on each podcast for the Discord if you want to hang out with us there. I also recently just got a gig writing articles for the website Quiet Speculation for those that are into the more MTG Finance side of things. And I'm just hoping I don't screw this opportunity up because as you guys already know, I kind of look at things from a different scope, so to speak, when it comes to budget slash finance. And I'm hoping that maybe some will just open their minds up a little bit and uh, enjoy some of the content that I will be providing there. So with that being said, thank you so much for everybody that uh, took the time out to listen. And as always, keep it janky.